Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. This morning, we're going to be looking at a, we've been looking at Bible characters. Um, guys and gals that are in the Bible that are, are somebodies. And each one of them has a story that kind of links to your life and mine today, among them being the fact that, for instance, virtually every one of the Bible characters that we're talking about has had some type of family squirrely kind of thing going on there. You have Abraham that has, uh, has an issue. He and his wife cannot have children. And then when God says, hey, I'm not, not only going to give you a child, but I'm going to give you a child, and that child is going to be like the sands on the beach or like, like the stars in the sky. The descendants that you're going to have through generation to generation, you can't even number them. And so what Abraham does is instead of trusting God, he goes and says, you know what, we've got to make this happen and we'll figure out a way. And you know the story of the mess that that caused. It's a mess that's still going on today. Guys, when we talk about folks in the Bible, these are not perfect people. These are people that are perfected by God to do His work. And God says it's the very thing that He wants to do in your life and mine today. We're going to be looking at one that you probably know very well. This is a fellow named Samson. But before we do, I want you to tell me, who is that guy right there? Who is that? That's not dude, okay? And that's not me either, okay? Who is that? Come on. It's Sam Houston. Now, Sam Houston is an interesting fellow. He was one of the wild men who finally came back to God. A wild man that finally came back to God. Sam Houston is our state's George Washington. He was a fascinating man who lived a dozen lives within 70 years. He was an Indian fighter and an Indian friend. He was a man without a great family background, much like the Bible characters we've been looking at, as he was growing up. And it affected his own family. He was a military leader who was reviled by some and feted by others. He led the Texans to their greatest victory on April 21st, 1836, at the Battle of... I'm glad to know that you all know your Texas history well enough to do that. If you do, thank a teacher, okay? It allowed Texas to become its own nation, and later served. he served as its president, vice president, governor, and later as a senator, and became its elder statesman. He was one of the only people in Texas government that stood up to secession in 1861, and he was removed from office because of it. And finally, he came to God through the love and the prayers of a godly woman. We're going to go ahead and look this morning at a character who is a lot like Sam Houston. This is a fellow named Samson. Now, Samson was a gifted man whom God had given a job. He was chosen to be the, what the Bible calls a judge over Israel. 
Now, this isn't a legal office like we have today. It was a biblical job that meant that he was to guard God's people and to face against Israel's enemies. He was to give God's people one less thing to get in the way and have to worry about so that they could listen to God. That's what a judge was to be. He was a protector. He was Israel's sheepdog. But he had a fatal flaw. Each one of us here this morning have at least one vulnerable area of our life that can prevent us from living the life that God wants us to have. It may be an addiction or, like Samson, a want to do what he wanted to do at all times without, without, without ever thinking about what God wanted. And that fatal flaw in Samson was he liked the ladies. Samson has parents that want him to marry a good gal. By the way, a really good set of parents hear this for you all that are here that are not married. A really good parent will always go ahead. Look, you may take it as being nagging, but what they're really doing is trying to go ahead and put you in a place where you can listen to God and do what God wants you to do. And that includes who you marry. Really good parents will go ahead and become involved in that type of thing. Samson basically ignores them. They were shocked when he chose a girl from a little town called Timnah, a place where they were certain that there would be an issue, and there was. Samson simply moves on from that commitment, and she's not heard of in the Bible again. But one gal wasn't enough for Samson. It eventually leads him to a woman who is not of God. She's a deceiver and another bad choice that he makes in his life. That bad choice was centered around a lady by the name of Delilah. It's interesting that in all of my 60 years, I have met one woman named Delilah. One. One. Now, there are a lot of Bible names that uh, we don't hear for women very often. Gomer. Gomer. Anybody in here have a daughter that you volunteered to name Gomer? Nope. There's a reason for that. She was a train wreck. So was Delilah. What ends up happening with, with Samson as he, as he begins to put his attention to her is that it cost him his family. Samson's family virtually disappears in the biblical narrative and from mention in Samson's life. We only see them at the very end of his life. They simply lost a voice. Has that ever happened in your life? where you've had someone that you're close to, and all of a sudden, for one reason or another, they cut you off and they won't have anything to do with you. Perhaps you've chosen to do that with someone else. I want to share with you that people that have turned away from you, that used to be close, can cause an injury and a hardness in your heart, and God doesn't want that to become the way you lived your life. It cost him his family. It also cost him his faith. Starting out with God's direction and choosing to leave is one of the saddest chapters in any person's life. Don't be that guy or gal. If God is working in your life right now, don't risk a walk away. Stay with him and stay faithful. If you have walked away, he is always waiting for your yes. And you already have his yes to you. It cost him not only his family and his faith, but it cost him his job. Samson was Israel's guardian. 
He gave that up for the desire of a woman that was impossible to love, Delilah. She hounds and nags him for the secret of his great strength. And if you read chapter 16, you'll find that bit by bit, he gives away the source of God's promise and secret. And by the way, it was a vow that he was to take that a razor was not to touch his head. It was, it's called a Nazarite vow. And he finally hints at it and hints at it. And she basically says, if you really love me, why are you lying to me about that strength that you have? And he finally says, I'm not going to lie to you anymore. My head has never felt a razor against it. And if the seven locks that I have are, are shorn from my head, I have the same strength as any other man. You know the story. Because of that, it cost him the vow and the job that God had given him. And instead, she simply sells him out for the price of some silver coins. What's the outcome of this? The outcome is what we're going to be looking at today. And while this story has great drama around it, I want you to look at the very end of the story because that's the place that you and I can connect to God this morning. Let me invite you to stand together. We're going to read God's Word It is found in the book of Judges, chapter 16, verses 23 through 30. And I'm going to ask that you go ahead and read along with me. Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God has given Samson into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us. It so happened that when they were in high spirits, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them, and they made him stand between the pillars. And then Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, Let me feel the pillars on which this house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there. And about 3,000 men and women were on the roof, looking on while Samson was amusing them. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time, O God that I may once be avenged of the Philistine for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and braced himself against them, the one with his right hand and the one with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bent with all of his might so that the house fell on the lords and all the people that were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than all of those he killed during his life. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. This is one of those stories that when you read it, you think back about movies. There were biblical movies, one of which talks about Samson, and you remember the story. And as Samson is there, the one thing the Philistines kind of overlooked that Delilah had brought to them was the idea that the Nazarite vow was not to go ahead and just see a guy with really long hair. Uh, it was actually 
it was actually such a such a different type of view, even in those days within Israel, that folks would have stopped to see a guy that had long hair and say, why, why have you done that? And it gave him the opportunity to go and say, the reason that I have not cut my hair is because God is trying to do something in and through me. It was a way of witness. It was a way of bearing witness that God was at work in his life. And folks, I want to share with you that when we think about this and we think about the story of Samson, that vow was a once and only vow. That vow, when broken by man, became basically inert. It was no longer in play. What happens if, if you watch the movie is you find Samson, who's put in prison, who comes out and has to entertain folks, is he begins to grow his hair out, and all of a sudden the idea is, because he has longer hair now, he has his strength back. That's not what the Bible says. It says that Samson went to God and said, God, I have messed up. Please go ahead and restore me for this one time so that it's not about me any longer, but it will be about you. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you living a life looking for a moment of redemption that is convenient to you? Are you looking to ask God to do something great in your life at a place where, where you, can, you can go ahead and, and plug into Him at that moment, and that moment only? Maybe you're thinking that if I live my life the way I want to live my life, at the very end, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll ask Jesus into my life as I'm on my deathbed, and I'll slide into home base in heaven while my clothes are still smoky. Let me share with you that's not the way God works. God in His great love and mercy works on His time clock alone, not ours. Now that's a good thing, as He's already seen tomorrow and knows what your destiny for tomorrow is. That is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.2, he writes these words and he says, Today is the day for salvation. This is the day. Why for us today? Why is God wanting you to get right with Him right now? Well, it's because you're in church and you're in a Baptist church and God's right here and He's waiting for you to walk an aisle and get right with Him. Let me share with you, that's not the case. God doesn't need you to walk an aisle to get right with Him. What He needs is a heart that will say, I want to be right with you, God. Please come in and become boss of my life. And to believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for your sin and mine. That's what God desires. And today is that day, not a convenient moment for you and me. Instead, what we find out with Samson is that Samson only wanted his own way. He wanted to be the master of his own fate. With God only added as a convenience, he knew he possessed God's blessing on his work, but arrogance made him think that he was in charge and doing the great work, not God. He also wanted his own pleasure. Samson was what we would call now a player. He moved moment to moment to what caught his eye. And the result was a life full of great story, stories, but not much substance. 
Not much substance at all. Instead, what you find is a guy that has all of these wonderful things that he did, but you don't see any continuity that points towards God. Listen, folks, your life and mine ought to be one that points ultimately to the designer of our life, the Savior of our soul. Ultimately, what we ought to be able to do is go ahead and have everything that is done by us, for us, said by us, pointing to a God that loves us and gave himself for us. Let me ask you a question. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want the preacher to say at your eulogy? Do you want him to say he was in it for himself and no one else? Or is there more to your story? Well, God wants there to be more to you than just that. You are better than that. And He created you to have a story about His work in your life and through your life. Samson struggled with that. Samson also wanted his own idea of his own destiny. Being cast as a hero and a leader among Israel was heady stuff to Samson. He wanted the recognition without responsibility. In order to be God's man, there has to be a heart that is humble. Micah 6.8 says these words. It says that the measure of a man is a humble heart. Samson fell short, and it put him in chains. It blinded him. It put him in his enemy's hands, and it put him there all alone. Folks, I want to share with you some good news. Samson was not left there all alone. Samson was not put in a place where there could not be a moment of redemption. You are not put in a place where there cannot be redemption in your life. What is redemption? Redemption actually comes from a word meaning God buys you back. God pays for you. And redemption from God means that He had to sacrifice His one and only Son for you and me. And He did that on Calvary's cross so that we wouldn't have to pay for our sin. Everyone in this room is a professional sinner. You may not be good at anything else. You may feel like a failure in everything in your life, but you're a great sinner. The Bible says you're a pro. Now, it's not something that you want to go out, hey, what would you learn in church today? I am a great sinner. Man, I got this wired up. I doubt that's going to be you. But folks, knowing that you are far from God because of your sin, God loves you and brings you back to Him through the sacrifice of His own Son. By the way, His Son Jesus was perfect, sinless, so that He could die for your sin. A sinner can't die for someone else's sin. Jesus was sinless, died for your sin, and when He did, He redeemed, redemption, bought you back. You deserved hell and you ended up with a God who loves you in heaven. God desires a heart that constantly, not one moment, but constantly seeks Him. You see, if you're here this morning seeking God's face, I want to share with you you're exactly where God desires. It may be scary because you may feel out of control, but I want you to know it is a good place to be. You're out of control, but He has your back. 
Your heart is not after your own way. Instead, you've said, I'm going to turn to God. And if God can do anything, let it be today that he changes me and makes me the way he wants me to be. Understand, he is at work at all times in your life, in all situations. Understand that God was at work in Samson's life, even in the midst of a heart that was far away from him, much like the prodigal son. The father was seeking out that child who was all about himself only. He is working today in your life in order for you to be brought closer to him. By the way, if you read that prodigal story, what you'll find out is the Bible says that the father began to look out over the landscape of where he was, searching for his son, looking every day to see if he would walk up the rise of the road and be seen from a long way away. Can you imagine day after day the heartbreak of that father? Faithful because of the love of his child. And he looked and he looked and he looked and he waited and he waited, but he was faithful. And the Bible says that the day that that son finally crested that hill and looked down to the place of his father's house, it says that he didn't have to go ahead and slowly walk up there muttering with each step, oh man, I'm going to get so torn up by my dad. The Bible says that instead, the father ran to him. Your heavenly father this morning desires your heart to seek Him. But folks, listen to me. Where you may not feel that you can move any closer to God because of what's happened in your past, God will move towards you. He's doing it even now through His Holy Spirit, which is beginning to speak to some of your hearts this morning and chip away at the hardness that you've developed there to protect yourself from other people and from false faiths. I want to share with you that He's beginning to speak to some of you this morning and calling you to Himself. And He desires your heart to be fresh and new and He can make it that very thing. He is at work at all times. I want to share with you also, don't wait till you're in a mess like Samson was in to finally seek God. Here's Samson. If you read the story carefully, it doesn't say that they blinded him. It says that they took their fingers and they they gouged his eyes out. Extremely painful. He was blinded. He was mocked. Matter of fact, that story we just read says that they brought him out and they said, we want you to entertain us. How can a blind man entertain thousands of people? There's only one way. They could only mock him. They could only laugh at him. And he could only hear the derision in the voices. After he entertained them by whatever means, he was tired and the little boy that had been chosen to to lead him, he says to him, I want you to put me up against a pillar. I'm I'm tired. He said, I'm going to lean against this. That little boy, I don't know. I hope he survived. I hope he did. The Bible doesn't say. But you know the story. It says Samson rests his right arm against one pillar and his left against another. And then he does what the prodigal 
has done and what some of you have done in your life. You've said, God, if you can only do this, do something in me. Be close to me when I haven't been close to you. Change this situation. But it's not done with the change of the situation so that Samson will all of a sudden go down in some great historical uh, record. He makes the Bible. But there's more to it in, in, in his prayer. He said, oh God, I pray that you will go ahead and do something that is greater than anything I've done in my life. If that's your heart this morning and you're asking God, because of all the flaws that have happened, all of the sin that has surrounded you, you've asked God to go ahead and do something. He's here today willing to do it. What will He do in your life? If you invite Him in, He will do three things. First of all, He will forgive you of your past. He will forgive you of your past. Your past, the Bible says, will be as far as east is from west. He will remember it no more. Others in this room may remember everything that you've done. He will not. The second thing He will do is you who are separated from God, the Bible says He will move to you and bring you close. He will close the distance. You don't have to do it. You don't have to dress right for church. You don't have to go ahead and carry a 60-pound Schofield Bible and look like you belong in church. The Bible says that God will come to you and He will begin that work of changing your heart to be like Him. The third thing He will do is He will take the rest of your life as He did with Samson and make it count for something. You say, well, great, Clyde. What He did was He killed a bunch of people. How is How can God go ahead and like that? Doesn't God like all people? Let me share with you something, folks. As I shared with those kids a moment ago, that one word for church in Russian, God not only knows the Russian language through and through, but He knows the heart of every Russian, every North Korean, every American, every Mexican, every nationality that is on this earth. Whether they know Him or not, God knows them. And He has reached His hand of mercy to every single person on earth. Every one of them. And by doing that, folks, it brings you and me to a place of choice. Samson made his commitment to God at the very end. He got things right so that it was all about God and not about himself. If you read the last verses of chapter 16, I would encourage you to do that. You find out that God does a work in in putting Samson's family a little bit back together after the fact. But Samson's family come and they claim his body and they take him back and they bury him. He was estranged, but he was loved just like you are with your Heavenly Father. I want to show a picture up here. I hope you've been here. If you've not, you need to go ahead and make sure that you drive down to a little town that is about 40 miles from this very place. That place is where Sam Houston professed his own faith in Jesus Christ. 
Instead of a heartless woman who was looking to betray him, he found a godly one by the name of Margaret that led him and prayed him to a time of decision. Margaret watched as her husband walked into a small pond adjacent to this very church and publicly announced his faith in Jesus Christ and he was baptized shortly afterwards. Sam Houston, this man that was far, far from God, ended up becoming a Christ follower, not because of his wife, but because she was able to show him there's a God who loved him. That same God this morning waits for you today. And if it wasn't too late for Sam Houston, it's not too late for you. Let's pray together. Holy Father, in the next few minutes, this time of the service is all about you. It doesn't have a thing to do with me or with this church. It has to do with what you want to do in the lives of folks that are here today. Some like Samson, we've been... We've been walking our own path. We simply acknowledge you on a Sunday or whenever it's convenient. But instead, Father, you want us to have a heart that is turned to you every moment of every day. Not trying to be something that we can't be, because in our own flesh we cannot be a Christian. But, Father, you want to be able to come in and change us to be like you. And that time and that place is right now. Father, I pray that if there are folks that would need to say for the very first time, I want Jesus Christ into my life, that you would give them the freedom and the courage to go ahead and say that. Father, your word says that we are to publicly profess our faith in Christ. And Father, as we take this moment, I pray that it will be about you and that profession. There are others here, Father, that that would say, I want to go ahead and plug my life into a church family to become a member And if that is their heart, then right now, Father, I just ask that you will simply give them your approval and your guidance to this place at this time. This time's yours, Lord. It doesn't belong to me. May it all be about you. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, for those of you that are here like I was many years ago, and you are not raised Baptist, what we're about to do is called an invitation. It is not a time for us to go ahead and look at people and go, ooh, I wonder what their problem is. As a matter of fact, what it is, is a time where we rejoice together when God is working in in another person's life. If God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, I'd love to pray with you about it here at our altar. During this song, simply stand as we do and simply make your way here if God's speaking to you about your next step with Him. Let's stand together, and as God leads, you come.